May the words from my mouth be just the right words that we need to hear. Have you heard, ever heard, and probably you kids have never heard this, but I'll bet most of you adults have heard somebody describe something that they think is really cool like this. It's the best thing or the greatest thing since sliced bread. You ever hear that? Well, that must be a really old one. Even you, even you guys haven't heard of it. The best thing since sliced bread. Well, it's a saying that I heard a lot when I was a kid because uh, it was one that my father used to use. Of course, Dad would be, you know, 120 years old now if he were living. So, <laughs> um, But there's a story behind that saying. The first electric toaster was sold in 1909, and it toasted one side at a time. And you had to really watch this toaster close, or it would, it would burn your bread really quickly. See, I, there's some old people in the crowd, because I see your head nodding. <laughs> Sorry, Terry, I had to say that. But you had to really watch it close, and then to turn it off, you had to pull the plug. That's the only way. It didn't have a switch or, or anything automatic about it. And then the first automatic toaster came out in 1919 by a guy named Charles Streit, and he invented it because he was sick and tired of burning his toast. So he came up with this automatic toaster. And at first, apparently, it was uh, not an easy sell. People were really hesitant to use an uh, appliance that only did one thing. All it did was toast bread. You know, they, wanted thing, they wanted appliances to do multiple things. And so they hesitated to buy it, but it caught on. And one of the reasons that it caught on was because Wonder Bread came up with sliced bread. And so if you were going to enjoy your new toaster you would have to have sliced bread. That would mean that you would have to slice it. And now, this new pre-sliced bread that you didn't have to slice yourself was about the neatest thing they ever heard of. And so for many, many years after that, that saying, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Well, our lesson today is about bread. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. John writes, Christ is the bread of life. You see, in the Middle East, bread isn't just uh, another side dish or another, another unimportant part of the meal that's kind of thrown in. Bread is a very important part of the meal. It's really at the heart of the meal. The pe those people don't think that we should take fork, they should take forks and put them in their mouths. When you do that, then they, that's called defiling their body. To put an object in your mouth over and over again, and it's like dirtying, keep, you keep dirtying yourself by doing that. And so, you take your bread, and you, you, you eat your food, your main dish, using the bread. You pick it up, and you eat it, just as you might do with a spoon or with a fork. So the only way that you can get to the main dish is with the bread. Jesus was saying that the only way that you can come to life, real happy life and eternal life, is through him. So let's talk about bread for a few minutes to hear the message that it has for us. First of all, the bread of Christ is universal. Nobody but nobody gets left out. 
There are some uh, who believe that there's something exclusive about the bread of Christ and that you have to do certain things to receive it. Jesus said, if anyone eats of this bread, they will live forever. Now, I don't know about you, but anyone, to me, sounds like anyone. No restriction on the kind of person that Jesus invites to the table. We're going to have communion shortly. When we do, keep these things in mind. It makes no difference who you are. It makes no difference what you've done. It makes no difference where you're from. It makes no difference how you got here. You are just as important as the next person. There was an organization that sent out a group of translators to a small remote tribe in South America. And when they, as they were translating the Bible into the, this uh, tribe's language, they came to this part where Jesus says in John, I am the bread of life. And they learned that in their language, there was no such word as bread. They didn't use bread. Rather, they used bananas for, as, as their main staple. And so, they translated in their language, Jesus said, I am the banana of life. Now that sounds silly to us, but to them, it was very true. It makes no difference if you say Jesus is the bread of life, or for those folks, Jesus is the banana of life. Jesus is the bread for the entire world. He is not European bread. He's not African bread. He's not Middle Eastern bread. He's not American bread. He is bread of the world. We worship a universal God. So first of all, universal. Second thought about the bread of Christ. It's very personal. If all are welcome, then I guess that means I'm welcome. Very personal. I'm welcome to sit with everyone else at Christ's table. I am precious to him. There are no second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. None. Jesus never forgets any of us. His love is universal, and yet it's extremely personal at the same time. He's bread for a hungry world. He's bread for your life. He's bread for mine. The bread that Christ offers is universal and personal. The bread of Christ is also communal. Certainly, the bread that Jesus gives us is a personal thing. And we rejoice because it is. We're accepted by God. The Spirit lives inside of us, prompting us to do what's right. But that experience doesn't happen alone in isolation. You and I are part of a community. We're part of a Christian community. We're part of a human community. And then when we read on in the sixth chapter of John, we hear Christ say, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in him. Here he's talking about the holy sacrament that is offered right here and in many other churches. The bread is personal, but it's also communal. 
part of a community. It is the bread of God's people, the strength we draw from sitting together at the table is partly because we join our spirits together as followers of Christ, as his disciples. We are the body of Christ. Read the scriptures and you will agree that Christian faith is not to be lived alone. It is not a faith for loners. We are a part of a holy fellowship, part of a big, big, big church a big, big, big family called humans. Ben Weir was a Presbyterian missionary who was held hostage a long time in Lebanon. You might remember that name. And he talks about, in one of his writings, worshiping in prison. He said that every Saturday night he would save a piece of bread from his dinner. And then on Sunday morning, he would eat that piece of bread in celebration, and he said he would feel so moved by the sense of communing with God's people all over the world, even though he was in that little cell all by himself. Even in prison, he found a way to celebrate being in the presence of God and the unity that comes from knowing that there were millions of others who were taking part in that communion that same day. The bread of Christ is universal, but it's also personal. It's personal, but it's also communal. The bread of Christ is also both time-sensitive and it's eternal. I like that phrase, time-sensitive. When we go to the store, we see codes stamped onto products that we buy at the grocery store. And it'll say something like, sell before September 1st, 2021. And we pay attention to those codes. We don't want sour milk. We don't want stale bread. Well, the bread of Christ is time sensitive as well. Scholars tell us that when Jesus told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he told us to pray for daily bread. And when he did, that word daily was a unique word in all of Greek literature. The word is not found in classical Greek. It's also not found anywhere else in the New Testament Greek. Some people thought that Matthew made up the word when he wrote it. Until 1947, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, and among all the shards of pottery and all the scraps of paper and all that stuff, was a shopping list. Probably a housewife's note of what she needed from the market. And Jesus' word, that same word, for daily, was on the list. We can say it was a sort of a category, something that she needed to buy every day at the market. There were no preservatives in those days. And so bread needed to be baked every day because it would get moldy the very next day in the arid and uh, damp climate that they lived in. And so Jesus says to us, we need to depend on him daily. That same word. I think it's wonderful that they found that. Do you see the wonderful paradoxes here? 
A paradox is something that sort of, uh, it sounds like it doesn't make sense at first, but then when you really think about it, it makes sense. Things like, can't live with you, can't live without you. Some of you are probably familiar with that one, right? Or less is more. You know, at first it doesn't make sense, but then when you think it through, it, and when you break it down, it begins to reveal some truth to you. Well, universal, yet personal. That's one paradox. Personal, yet communal, part of the community. Time-sensitive, yet eternal. Jesus says that even though the bread he gives us is eternal, it needs to be gathered daily. And this brings me to the final paradox. The bread of Christ is to be kept, and it's also to be given away. The bread of Christ gives us great strength, so we don't want to lose it. We don't want to misplace it. At the same time, God wants us to give it away. There was a German soldier during World War I whose job was to capture enemy soldiers for interrogation. And it was trench warfare in those days. There'd be one side lined up in their trenches, then there'd be a section called no man's land, and then there'd be the other army from the other side facing toward one another. And his job was to sneak over through one no man's land, climb into the trench of the enemy, capture them, and bring them back for interrogation. That sounds like a dangerous job. Well, he went there, he went one day, he snuck through the enemy's line, or through the no man's land, got up to the enemy's line, jumped in the trench, and there sat an enemy soldier eating, having a sandwich. He was surprised, of course, and he was easy to capture because he didn't even have a weapon in his hand. And there he was. He didn't know what to do next. And then something very sacred happened. Something I would call a God moment, a Holy Spirit moment. He gave his enemy some of his bread, some of his food. The enemy soldier was so touched by this gift that he couldn't complete his mission. He left the trench, he recrossed no man's land, and he went back to his army. There's a message here for us. And here it is. The bread of Christ is not to be hoarded. It's to be shared with the world. At a Sunday morning service in a church in Florida, a pastor stepped from behind the pulpit to the table where the communion elements were, and after saying a few words, he asked those who were serving the elements to come forward. And as they did, he was handing the trays to the servers without really looking up much. And he looked up and saw this man that he'd never seen before. He was a real tough-looking guy. The pastor had never seen him, but he figured... Well, maybe he was somebody who was serving and uh, someone else had asked him to and that was fine. 
So he handed him the tray, and it was their custom to hand both trays at once, so he handed him a tray of bread and a tray of wine. Stranger gave him a strange look, but he took them. And he walked off with all the other servers. And a short time later, he came back and he was standing in front of the pastor with the trays and he said, which one of these do I eat first? And the pastor realized that he wasn't really a server and that he was not familiar with any of this tradition in the church. So he explained that most people ate first and then drank from the cup. And so he said, okay, should I, should I do that now? And he was, he was very nervous. And the pastor sort of chuckled and said, sure, why not? He took the trays and he offered him the elements. And very cautiously, the stranger took first the bread and then the cup. And the pastor smiled. He thought, I need to encourage this guy. He's very, very afraid and very nervous. And he said, you've just taken Jesus into your body. He said, uh, the young man's eyes filled with tears. He was embarrassed. And he quickly returned to his seat. After the service was over, the pastor saw him coming his way. And he walked up to him and he threw his arm around the pastor and he began to weep great tears and the pastor just stood there and held him and didn't know what to say and then a woman came up and stood beside him and said I'm his wife she was crying now she said he's so embarrassed he's never been in a church service in his life he's been on drugs and alcohol for many many years and this past week he put his faith in God and he asked me if he could come to the service with me. I told him there might be a time because some churches ask you to come forward if you've newfound faith. And I said that that might happen. And so when you asked the servers to come forward, he thought that that was the time. And so when you handed him the trays, he became very confused and he, he was embarrassed. He didn't know what to do with them. The pastor stepped back, looked him in the face, and he said, God loves you so much. With a big smile on his face, he said he saw you take that tiny step forward toward him, and he was so overjoyed that he had me place into your hands the most precious thing that the church has, the sacrament of the blood of his son. Then he told you to give it to other people. The young man said, but I didn't know what I was doing. The pastor said, that's okay. None of us know what we're doing. We just obey. And God honors our obedience. And he blesses us with gifts and with good things in life. The only ones who receive nothing are the ones who don't step forward in some way. And there is no wrong time to share your faith. Isn't that Christ's message to us? Can you remember all of our paradoxes? 
The bread of Christ is universal, yet it's personal. It's personal, yet it's to be shared with the community. It's time-sensitive. We only have so much time. And yet, it's eternal, because we have forever. It is to be kept close to our hearts, yet it's to be given away. Let's think on these things.